0: Well, uh, as we come to God's Word today, let's pray and ask God to help us. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, how we thank you so much that you're a speaking God, that you have made yourself known to us in Jesus and in your Word. We pray that as we come to this topic today that you'll help us, that you'll give us clarity, that your Spirit will be at work in our hearts and in our lives, transforming us, and helping us to see you more clearly this day. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, before I moved to Toowoomba about three and a half years ago, I used to live in Noosa, and I worked as a barista. Uh, I worked at a lot of different cafes up and down the coast, uh, but I remember working at this one cafe on the main drag of Noosa on Hastings Street. Uh, The cafe would open up at 6 a.m., The same people would come off every morning, come off the beach with sand still between their toes, sit at the same table, order the same coffee, and they would always have the same response when I would ask them how their day was going. They would say, you know how it is, Michael. Beautiful today, perfect the next. They appeared to be perfectly satisfied people with no worries in their world. They'd worked hard, retired, and are now enjoying the fruits of their labour. But today we come to the question if Jesus came back and had a seat at their coffee table, what would Jesus say to these people? What would Jesus say to the satisfied? He says, Watch out. Watch out. Because satisfaction in this life is temporary. It's fragile. But satisfaction in God is eternal. And as we'll see today, this this satisfaction has been hidden by sin, but now been made clear and available in Jesus and can be yours today because of Jesus. So then what does this satisfaction actually look like? If it's not money, or if it's not in fame or careers or even family, what is it then, and how have we gotten it so wrong? Well, to help us today, we're going to be looking at the Christian story. We're going to look at the overall storyline of the Bible and looking at what it teaches us about satisfaction. Uh, This isn't a made-up story. This is what God has done for us and what God has given us. And so to find out what true satisfaction looks like, Let's go right to the very beginning. Let's go to the beginning where God created the heavens and the earth, the beginning of the story where we had true satisfaction. So before sin entered the picture, there was true satisfaction. When God created the heavens and the earth, humanity had a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationships with each other, and perfect relationships with creation. God walked with humanity in the cool of the garden in the evening that he created for them. There was no shame. There was no guilt. Adam and Eve were told to work the land, to fill it, to multiply. There was no reason to be unsatisfied. There was no reason to be greedy or lazy. Work was good, perfect, satisfactory. And relationships were perfect. Adam and Eve didn't have to find their worth or satisfaction in possessions or skills. That is, the created things. They could just enjoy having satisfaction in relationship to the creator of things, in God. See, this is how we were designed to live. In relationship with God working with and for him, enjoying being with him. God says that it was very good. There was no death. There was no decay. The satisfaction was to go on for eternity. So then, what went so wrong? Well, sin entered the picture. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They wanted to be the rulers of their own lives. They didn't want God to be king. They wanted themselves to be king. See, this is what sin is not living as God designed us to live. And when this sin entered, this type of perfect satisfaction that we had became hidden, it became masked, it became unattainable just by ourselves. And then we settled for a satisfaction that was less than this. Uh, In Genesis, we saw that Adam and Eve turned their back against God. But then that came with some repercussions. As a result, this world became fractured. It became broken. Our relationship with God became fractured. There was now an impassable distance between humanity and God that was never designed to be there. Our relationships with each other became fractured. Instead of working together in harmony, humanity would be in power struggles with each other. Our, humanity, our relationship with creation became fractured. Instead of work being enjoyable and satisfactory, the ground became hard. Work became hard. And then death entered the picture. God says to Adam in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Lifespans became shorter and shorter as death took a murderous grip on creation. It wasn't good. After this, it only took one generation, one generation, for humanity to become murderous, greedy, needy, self-centred and controlling. See, this is the type of world that we live in, don't we? A broken world. A fractured world. A world that isn't as it's meant to be. It's full of suffering and full of death. Everything is so fragile. Nothing is certain or nothing is precedented. Uh, Haven't we seen this just over the past two years? We've seen fires, we've seen floods, we've seen landslides, war, refugees, unemployment, loneliness, and COVID. Our world is so utterly fragile and broken. And it's all temporary as well. Because one day, everything will perish. And one day, unless Jesus comes again in our lifetime, we will die. And so in our ambition to be rulers over our own lives, in our ambition to push God out and make ourselves king, humanity has settled. We've settled in finding satisfaction and stability in this utterly unstable world where there's something so much more that we could have. We've found our help and we've found our comfort in the fragile creation, rather than the eternal, unchanging creator. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced this when you've bought a present for a toddler. Uh, you go out and you think really hard about what they might like. You go out of your way to the shops to go and buy it. You, you wrap it all nice. Uh, you go and you give it to them. They're so excited, they unwrap it. But then as you turn to them five minutes later, they're playing with a wrapping paper. Instead of the actual toy that you bought them, they settle for satisfaction with the paper when they really could have great enjoyment with the remote controlled car or a new train set that you got them. See, that's what it's like when we try to find contentment and satisfaction in earthly things rather than a relationship with God. It's like enjoying the takeaway container rather than the curry it contains. It's like enjoying the car key rather than the new car that you just purchased, that it opens. It's like finding satisfaction in wrapping paper rather than the gifts. It's like finding satisfaction in this fragile world more than the eternal kingdom that is on offer. Humanity is settled. And the result is, is that these things that we've settled for will never actually satisfy. Chasing after these things is meaningless. Uh, There once was the great king in Israel, uh, King Solomon, who was exceedingly wise. Uh, He's thought to have written the book of Ecclesiastes, the reading that we heard first up. And in this book, he describes what it's like to live this life chasing satisfaction from created things, Uh, what it's like to live this life without God. So in chapter 2, he writes a big list of all these different things that he tried. He undertook amazing projects. He Built houses, he planted vineyards, he planted all types of gardens, he amassed domestic workers, he bought more silver and gold than everyone. He indulged in all sorts of immorality. He became greater than anyone in the land. In our consumeristic modern Western culture, we'd class him amongst the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Jeffrey Bezos's, the Bill Gates, the Tim Cooks. He has made it. He has got everything anyone could ever have. But he comes to a conclusion. And he says in chapter 2, verse 11, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Like chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Everything was meaningless. Like dust in the wind. Like breath that you can see in the middle of winter one second, but then gone the next. Meaningless. And because of the fall, and because of human sinfulness, those who are supposedly satisfied in this world Have settled for less, have settled for meaningless satisfaction, have settled for wrapping paper. It's not true satisfaction. So then, our question today what would Jesus say to the satisfied? What would Jesus say to the people who are satisfied in creation rather than the Creator? What would Jesus say to the people who are satisfied with the wrapping paper and not the actual gifts? Well, if you have your Bibles open to so Luke 12:15, Jesus says, "Watch out. Watch out. For life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. See, Jesus entered this broken world to reveal and to make true satisfaction in relationship with God available. He is God with us, God in flesh, God on earth. So as Jesus was teaching, crowds kept on flocking to see him while the religious leaders came flocking to oppose him. And while all this was happening, a random man calls out in Luke 12, 13, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? So here is Jesus. And this bloke asks him to solve a domestic finance issue. Jesus cuts right to the heart. He says that he has no part in solving his issues. He's not a domestic judge. But then, then he warns this man to watch out to watch out for greed. Watch out for when you're finding satisfaction purely in creation. I used to play cricket in school. It's the only sport that I'm mildly good at. And in the net sessions, whenever a ball would be hit up in the air and out of the nets, uh, people would call out, heads up, or watch out, so that people wouldn't get hit in the head with a cricket ball, because it really hurts. Uh, When you go for walks along a cliff edge or on the coast, uh, you might find signs that say, watch out, steep drop ahead. So it's generally good advice to heed the warning and don't go over the edge. Likewise, Jesus warns us. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For life is more than just possessions. Life is more than just being born, getting good grades at school, to get a high paying job, to support a big family, to buy a big house, to buy a nice car, to retiring, to purchasing a caravan and then dying. Life is so much more than this. So Jesus warns us to watch out from buying into this narrative, be on guard from believing this narrative. Jesus tells a story about a man who bought into this narrative, who believed this worldly narrative, verse 16 of Luke chapter 12. And Jesus told him this parable The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundance harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So you wonder if you noticed, this man was already rich. Uh, The story goes that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He already had a bit in the bank. He was fairly comfy. But then he experienced this bumper crop. Perfect weather. No droughts, no mice plagues, no floods. A record-breaking harvest. However, he has a problem. He has what we would call the ultimate first world problem. He has run out of space for all his grain. Just imagine, uh, tomorrow you're going to get a call from your bank and the branch manager says, "Uh, I'm really sorry, Mr and Mrs Johnson. We've actually got no more space left to store up all your money. This is the problem that this man encountered. So he says to himself that he'll just tear down his old storage facilities and build bigger ones, put up his feet, eat, drink, be merry, take life easy. He was perfectly satisfied. He's perfectly satisfied in himself. In his speech to himself, he references himself in the first person 12 times without even mentioning other people or even thinking about God. He's perfectly satisfied with the creation. He's got it all. He's set for life by all accounts. He has made it. But the story continues. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? What happens to this man is something that will happen to all of us unless Jesus comes again in our lifetime. He dies. His life is taken away from him. So then what's going to happen to all of his goods, all the things that he once found satisfaction in? Well, he can't take them beyond death. He's got no use for them because, well, he's dead. They'll just be dispersed. They'll fade away just like he did. Gone in a flash. Forgotten about about two generations later. And so God says, you fool. How foolish it is to settle for temporary satisfaction that's going to crumble and fall. How foolish it is to settle for wrapping paper, takeaway containers and car keys, rather than the actual gift. So then, if these things won't satisfy, if creative possessions are temporary, if sin has really corrupted and broken this world, how then can we find satisfaction? How then can we have peace? How can we be content? Well, it's only in a relationship with God. Only in being part of his people and his eternal kingdom will we find true, eternal satisfaction. Uh, just a few paragraphs later, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says... Jesus says, don't worry about worldly possessions or even food or even clothes, but turn to him and the rest will be sorted out. There is something so much more in store for those who have their faith in Jesus Christ. There is a treasure in heaven, an inheritance that will never pass away, riches that are beyond compare, just waiting for us. And this is a sure thing, There's no betting on the stock market. There's no housing bubble. There are no loans. Just the full assurance of life with God. Life in abundance now and life eternal to come because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Because of the gospel, Jesus has made a way for us to be right with God again. The power of sin and death has been broken by Jesus. The effects of the fall have been broken by Jesus. The massive gulf that was created because of our rebellion was bridged by Jesus. The fracture that formed in our relationship with God because of sin was repaired by Jesus. The true satisfaction in him that became so hidden because of sin was made available in Jesus. And friend, this can be yours because of Jesus we can have the hope and the satisfaction of knowing that we are right with our loving, Creator God, that he is with us, that we can find satisfaction in him, we can take refuge in him, and that he will come again, and we will live with him. We will have perfect satisfaction in him, just as we once did in the Garden of Eden. See, satisfaction in this world has a use by date has an expiry date it's temporal satisfaction in relationship with god will never end it's eternal so where are you finding your satisfaction is it in career in your possessions, in your uni degree, in the way that people look at you, in perfectionism, in success. Now there's nothing wrong with worldly possessions. There's nothing wrong with working on your career. There's nothing wrong with working hard at uni or school or or whatnot but it'll all go wrong when we start finding our identity and our satisfaction in such things. And if we find ourselves satisfied in the creation, Jesus says, watch out. But also, he says, friend, come to me and I will give you the life-giving water the eternal satisfaction that will never end. More on that last, next week. See, nothing else will satisfy but only him. An unending relationship with him made available in Jesus' death and resurrection so that we can be part of his eternal kingdom that will never fade away. Let's pray and give thanks. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, how we thank you so much for the eternal satisfaction that can be found in you. We thank you so much that you have made a way for us to be in relationship with you and to live with you for eternity when you come again. But Lord, until that day comes, help us to find our satisfaction in knowing that you love us, that we are your people, that we have a treasure that will never fade. Even death can't take it away. So, Lord God, we're sorry for the times when we find satisfaction in your creation rather than you, the creator. Help us to look to you. Help us to run to you. And help us to find our satisfaction and identity in being a child of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.